Together, let us, prayer, let, let us pray the prayer for illumination. Almighty God, you sent your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to suffer death upon the cross. Grant that we may share in his obedience to your will and in the glorious victory of his resurrection through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please rise as you are able, whether in body or spirit, for a reading from the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, the 26th chapter, beginning at verse 17. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where do you want us to make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? He said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is near. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, he took his place with the 12 disciples, and while they were eating, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they became greatly distressed and began to say to him, one after another, surely not I, Lord. He answered, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. Judas, who betrayed him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. He replied, you have said so. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. O Lord, thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Today is Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week. Coming up Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we have other opportunities to gather back here as the church. On Wednesday, we have our community meal, which will be held under the Port Cacher on Fisher Street. We long to invite, to welcome, uh, to be together in fellowship, but then immediately following, we will have Lenten prayer stations here in the sanctuary. Think of it like an immersive worship experience that's interactive. This will be a meaningful time together for our spiritual experience for Holy Week. All of that is on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, we have our Maundy Thursday worship service here in the sanctuary. Good Friday worship at 12 noon. And then on Easter Sunday, 6.30, we have a community sunrise service at the Bell Tower Green Park. Um, all of the downtown churches are going to come together to uh, lead this and be a part of it together to welcome the community. And then, of course, back here in the sanctuary, 8.30 and 11 
for our festival Easter worship. It's all coming up. Um, you can pick up one of these cards that you can use to invite people to come along with you. You can find these in the narthex. Something else I want to mention, over the past five weeks, we've had a series on prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. These are the components of our membership as United Methodists. But even more importantly than that, it provides a framework for understanding our life of Christian discipleship. And the invitation for you now is to become a holy friend with somebody else here in the church. So you'll find these sign-up sheets. They look like this. We just ask you to write down your name and contact information. You can find one at this door and this door at the front of the nave. Or you can sign up online as well on the church's website. If you are signing up to be a holy friend, what we're going to do is pair you up with another person, men with men, women with women. And then the invitation is for you to meet with your holy friend five times between now and Thanksgiving for guided conversations all around prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. We'll give you more information about what that means, but for now, I'm just humbly inviting you to take that next step in your discipleship with another person here at the church to form holy friendships. I think in many ways that was the vision that Jesus had for the 12. Peter, Andrew, James, John, all of them. That they would come together in holy friendship for the sake of God's kingdom. But you know, as soon as they were coming together, these 12, there seemed to be quite a bit of drama wherever they went, as they followed Jesus around the Sea of Galilee and other outlying areas, as they would listen to him preach, as they would watch him heal, as he would enact the coming kingdom of God, there seemed to be a, a whole lot of drama. Do you have people in your life who seem to bring drama? There's something about what they say, there's something about what they do, and it has a way of complicating the situation. It goes from being tranquil and easy to something a little bit more involved. It seems that there's drama when people have different competing goals about what the group ought to do. You've seen this play out in your own life, haven't you? Well, for the disciples, Jesus' goal was about the incoming kingdom. He was inaugurating and inviting the whole world to be a part of. The religious authorities of the day, however, they were intent on maintaining order in the temple in tradition with ancient Israel. Meanwhile, those in authority by the power of the Roman Empire, they had an entirely different agenda to try to keep the Pax Romana. Well, meanwhile, here comes Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And you put it all together, and for these disciples, a lot of drama. Sometimes they are faithful, and they do an amazing job of keeping up with what Jesus would have for them. And then other times, not so much. But as we read in the gospel narratives about Jesus with the disciples, we find drama. It almost reads like a soap opera. As the world turns, the disciples are recognizing their need for faithfulness. 
Along the way, they sense that they're called to be a general hospital for sinners to be made well. They're looking to Jesus for a guiding light out of their darkness. And these disciples, as they travel around, the young and the restless, they find themselves in more drama, including Judas, when he recognizes he only has one life to live. And so Judas is given an opportunity. He's given an opportunity, and he acts on it. What we heard in Matthew chapter 26 is Jesus preparing the disciples for what would be their experience of the Passover meal. The same Passover meal that was instituted so that the people of ancient Israel could commemorate the Lord saving the firstborn sons during the 10th plague while they were living in havoc in Egypt. It's a special meal that commemorates God's saving action. So what we read in Matthew 26, beginning with verse 17, very simply is is background information that we might otherwise just sort of pass right over. But it is so important because we read about Jesus giving instructions and the disciples obeying. It's that simple. Jesus says, go here. You'll find this there. Go to this place. Find what you need. And they do it. Jesus' call, the disciples' response. We pray that we too would be found faithful in our obedience to Jesus. However, we have our way of bringing drama to the situation, like Judas. Jesus, as we read, is in full command of what is happening. He's not the victim of somebody else's pettiness. He is living in faithful step with what the Heavenly Father would have for him for the sake of the world. He is not anybody's victim, but he is instead willingly participating in what is happening in the world so that he could redeem the world to live in newness of life. And so... Even though he knows what is going to happen, he is still ready to sit down and recline at the table around the Passover meal. Judas. Judas would be known as the betrayer. And as a result, his name lives in infamy, along with world dictators. I looked it up. You know how there are these resources and books or online about naming babies, and did names have different meanings, or you can see how popular a name might be? Well, you guessed it. Judas is not a very popular name for babies these days. There are 4,229 more popular names out there than Judas. No surprise, because his part of the story continues to live in the history of our faith. To betray someone means to presume a sense of trust and loyalty. 
And to betray a person means to break that trust. But not only to that one person, but to the other people who are also involved. So for Judas to turn over Jesus, to betray him, that not only does harm to Jesus and his ministry, but also the relationships of the disciples as well. Now, perhaps you've heard other sermons where the pastor says something like, can you think of a time when you were betrayed? I'm not going to do that, though, and here's why. Because even the most egregious examples that we have lived through, none of them measure up to the betrayal that our Lord Jesus experienced. None of them. I say that humbly because I know many of us have been through heartache and pain and frustration beyond words. But none of the experiences that we have come close to the betrayal that our Lord Jesus, the image of the invisible God, God in the flesh, here with us. The Prince of Peace given over to this world of violence. The good news of the gospel for you and for me, even though we continue to be unfaithful, and even though in our own even more subtle ways betray the Lord, we too are still invited at the table with everything Jesus knew was unfolding during Holy Week, he still sat down at the table and welcomed and loved and offered mercy. That same mercy is offered to you and to me as we gather at this table. We partake in the bread and the cup, and we experience the presence of the resurrected Christ through the sharing of that meal. We give thanks to God on this Palm Sunday. And I pray that the same hand with which you would wave the palm frond could be open, ready to receive the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.